0: We thank you that you are a God who wants to save us, save us from sin, save us from evil, save us from death. We thank you that you so love the world, that you sent your one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Lord, we thank you for these truths that we get to celebrate every single day of our lives if we choose to. And we thank you that through faith in Christ, again, death doesn't hold us down. So, Lord, we thank you for these tremendous truths, and I pray that as we open the Scripture today that you will show us how we can grow in being faithful to you, how, can we, how we can enjoy you more thoroughly, glorify you more faithfully. Lord, so through Scripture, please teach us, rebuke us, correct us, and train us in righteousness so that we will be thoroughly equipped for everything to which you are calling us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to start off this morning by showing you a photo that was taken just after my high school graduation. That's me with my parents, and um, this picture is special to me because during my senior year of high school, my mom was battling breast cancer, and finally, just about a month before my graduation, she was finally declared cancer-free. And so, I mean, she'd been going through so many months of of chemo and radiation and just sickness. And this was one of her first times to be able to be out, be with family and public again. So that was a very special time. And, and she had a recurrence of cancer in 2003. But thankfully, she's been cancer-free th- cancer since then. Now, when I think about that time when my mom had breast cancer, one of the most distinct memories I have is just the major support and love that she felt from her friends. I think, for instance, of how there was one particular friend who every single day while she had cancer would call her just to check in. Or I think of another friend who wrapped a bunch of little gifts so that way my mom would have a gift to open each day while she was receiving chemotherapy. There were so many different friends who would come and sit with her while she was receiving chemo treatments. One friend in particular came in and unannounced. She brought a wash basin and a bottle of lotion and while my mom had the chemo drug dripping into her arm, this friend washed and then massaged my mom's feet. And these were just little pictures of the love, of many other examples of that love that were shown to my mom during that time. And that made a world of difference for her. Because that season of having cancer was difficult. It was not only discouraging, it was, uh, left her in a bit of a depression. I mean, it, was, it caused tremendous pain to her body. She couldn't eat very much. Um, It was just sad for her not to be able to be involved with her children's activities. It was my senior year of high school, my sister's freshman year. But she was very limited in her ability to get out and be around people. On top of that, she felt like Satan was just trying to convince her that her life doesn't mean anything. And so these friends, as they showered love on her, were really serving as the hands and feet in Jesus, encouraging her and lifting her up through this difficult time. Now, we sang a few minutes ago that everyone needs compassion. Everyone needs compassion. We live in a broken world that, that just wears people down. It discourages us, whether it's because of cancer or other sickness, whether it's because of financial challenges or just family or friend challenges or, or just uncertainties about the future or of so the other difficulties that we can have. Everyone needs compassion. We sang in that same song about the Savior. We need a Savior. And thankfully, God has provided us with a Savior through Jesus. But we also, as you go through life in this challenging world, we need people around us who can support us. Christian friends who can support us, who can encourage us, who can pray for us, who can laugh along with us, also cry with us at times. Christian friends who can challenge us, who can hold us accountable, or if, if need be, sit with us. Well, chemotherapy is dripping into our arms, which will ravage our bodies, hopefully on that pathway of healing our bodies. Today we're talking about a habit of grace known as friendship. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to two different places. Put a bookmark over in Hebrews chapter ten. But then also, if you could, turn to Acts chapter two, which is where we will start this morning. We are in a series right now that is called Habits of Grace. Habits of Grace is all about practical patterns that we can implement in our lives to help us to grow in enjoying God and in glorifying God on a daily basis. And we've been looking through this series at these different patterns, things like the importance of internalizing the Bible into our lives. We've looked at the value of of praying and fasting and resting. Last week we looked at the value of meeting together like this to worship God as a church family. Yet even if we do all these other types of habits of grace, these, these spiritual disciplines that can help us to grow, there is still something missing if we aren't regularly meeting with Christian friends who can encourage us in our walk with God. Again, we're focusing today on two different passages. Acts chapter 2 is where we will begin. And I want to read this. We, we looked at this passage in depth last week, but I want to use this passage today just to set the context for relationships Within the church. So I invite you to follow along as I read Acts 2, picking up in verse 42. It's talking about the early church, and it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, I want to look in this passage just to see an overview, kind of like a 30,000-foot view of relationships within the church. And we see, especially in verse 46, there are two different categories of relationships that people had with each other in that early church. One is what I would call big church. Big church is where the entire church family was gathered to worship God. We see in verse 46, it says, day by day, attending the temple together. That, that is kind of their big church. That is when their whole church family would be gathered in the temple courts in order to receive teaching from the apostles And also there would be certain uh, prayers that they would pray together and stuff like that. That was kind of like their big church service, kind of like this right here on Sunday morning. That was big church. But we also see a different category of relationships in what I would call little church. And that is small gatherings of Christians for deeper relationships. We see that again in verse 46. It says, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts. So we see... They were meeting not only in the large groups, in the temple courts. They were also meeting in each other's homes. They were engaged in each other's day-to-day lives. It says specifically, they were sharing meals together. You know, there's something powerful about sharing a meal with someone else. It breaks down barriers. It leads to a sense of togetherness and camaraderie. Uh, it, it makes people more comfortable to share a meal together. That's what they were doing back there in the early church. They had big church, they had little church. And again, I think about the power of sharing meals. Shelley and I have enjoyed through the years being able to welcome a variety of people into our homes for meals. It's a great way especially to get to know neighbors when they move into town. Also, every month we host a potluck at our house. Just with younger families, mainly from within the church, but also from the broader community. And these Pollocks are basically like small churches in terms of that size, 30, 40 people typically, um, younger families. But they are great ways just to get to know each other. Just the informal conversations that happen around the table or afterwards when people are just sitting in a living room or sitting in the basement while kids are playing, it's a way to build togetherness, to help people get to know each other. They really sow the seeds of deeper relationships. It's also a good form of outreach. Because, you know, for some people who are unchurched, coming here to a church service may be a bit intimidating. But coming to someone's home to share a meal among friends, that's, that's pretty easy to come into. And so there's a power that comes from sharing meals together. And so that's what we see taking place here in the early church. Yet we still have to understand that in terms of this habit of grace, of this this idea of the friendships that help us go deeper in our walk with God, we need something more than just hanging out and having fun together. To truly be this habit of grace, our friendships need to help us to grow as followers of Jesus. If you were here back in early January, you may remember how we began this series. We began by focusing in 1 Timothy chapter 4, where it says in verses 7 and 8, train yourselves to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. And so in order for our friendships to serve as this habit of grace that biblically will help us to move forward in our relationship with God, it's important that, that our friendships are training us in godliness. And to see more of that, I invite you to turn it over in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to be looking at a passage here that it takes us a little bit deeper in this idea of Christian friendship that can help us to enjoy God and glorify Him more. So we're going to be looking at Hebrews 10, verses 23 through 25. It says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so I want to start off in verse 23 where it talks about this confession of hope that, that we ought to hold on to firmly. The question is, what is this talking about? What is this confession of hope? Well, if you backed up even just a few verses in Hebrews chapter 10, you would see that it's talking about the gospel. It's talking about that through Jesus, and especially through his death, He opens the door for us to have an intimate relationship with God when we come to faith in Him and we're trusting ourselves to Jesus. We can have that deep, intimate relationship with God. This is the confession of hope that we are called to hold firmly to. And so it's saying, hold firmly to Jesus. Hold firmly to Jesus. Yet, there are many different influences in this world that can pull us away from Jesus. I mean, so many different things. Things like just discouragement, things like complacency and laziness. Peer pressure pushes a lot of people away from Jesus, make it not as much fun to follow Jesus when when you're facing pressure to deny him. Various forms of temptations can pull people away from Jesus. Um, I mean, even even good things that, that keep us very busy. Busyness is one of the big things in today's society that's keeping people away from this firm hold On Jesus, there's a classic hymn called Come Thou Fount. And one of the lines in that hymn says, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And this is so true. I mean, it it, it breaks my heart how many people I've seen who at one point were very devoted to following Jesus. They loved him dearly. But something happened. They pulled away from him. And sometimes it was some drastic, dramatic turn very quickly. More frequently, it was just a slow fade over the period of months or years. And people get to the point where, you know, at one time they had that close relationship with him. But now it's gone. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. There are so many influences that can pull us away from Jesus. But here in Hebrews 10, it says, hold firmly to him. And then it gives us a strategy for doing so. The strategy in verses 24 and 25 to stay faithful to Jesus is to meet and encourage one another regularly. Look with me to verses 24 and 25. It says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. So meeting together as Christians and encouraging one another is a biblical strategy for helping us to remain faithful to Jesus. You know, frankly, we are going to be much more likely to be faithful to Jesus throughout our lives and grow fruitfully in the context of relationships with other Christians who will encourage us and help us grow. And the verb here for this growth is very strong. It says, stir up one another. Other translations say to spur on one another or even to provoke one another. And this is to be done in the context of a close, trusting, caring relationship. It doesn't do very good just to walk by someone who's a relative stranger and try to provoke them to follow Jesus or to be a prophet in their lives. That doesn't work very well. Now, this is talking about the context of a close, trusting, caring relationship, ideally among friends who are regularly together that we are encouraging each other Keep following Jesus. Keep up with the habits of grace. Stay faithful to Him. There's a very similar passage over in Hebrews chapter 3. I want to just turn there briefly. It's verses 12 and 13. It says there, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. So, this is another piece of evidence of how easy it is to fall away from God. But listen to the strategy very next verse says, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And so we see once again this this strategy to exhort one another, challenge each other, encourage one another to follow Jesus faithfully. Now there's there's a powerful phrase here that I think we could easily gloss over. It's this phrase, one another. In Hebrews 3, it says exhort one another. In Hebrews 10, it says spur on one another or stir up one another. If you look throughout the whole New Testament, there are about 40 one another commands. 40 commands that use this phrase one another that describe what our relationships should be with each other. Especially within our friendships with other Christians. Let me read for you just a few of these one another commands. Love one another. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Rejoice and grieve with one another. Serve one another. Restore one another from their sin. Carry one another's burdens. Forgive one another. Encourage one another. Offer hospitality to one another. Confess your sins to one another. And pray for one another. This is just a list of the 40 different one and other commands. And so these these commands are to shape our relationships with people around us, especially other Christians and our friendships. And you see here that these things cannot be accomplished only on Sunday mornings. We saw last week that church services like this are vitally important to our walk with God. And there should be a relational component here. I mean, I'm thankful that for the the most part you aren't talking to each other during this service. But hopefully in other parts of Sunday morning you are talking with each other. You know, Sunday mornings are a good time to meet new people. Sunday mornings are a good time to check in and catch up with people. But Sunday mornings don't serve very well for a lot of these deeper things um, that it's talking about here in these one another commands of carry one another's burdens. Um, I mean, you can pray for each other here, but still, the depth of relationship that takes place only on Sunday mornings is not fully what we are called to biblically. We need something deeper. And these one another commands shape those deeper friendships among Christians. So this all begs a, a very important question for us. The question is this. Do you have Christian friends who encourage your spiritual growth? Do you have Christian friends who encourage your spiritual growth? If your only involvement in, in the church family, whether you're here at Friedens or in, maybe you're just visiting today in another church, if your only involvement with the church family is on Sunday mornings, you're really short circuiting your spiritual growth. Because spiritual growth flourishes best in the context of caring relationships among Christians. That's where it flourishes best. Now I want to be clear here that this friendship that I'm talking about, this this habit of grace, it doesn't mean that every single conversation we have is about Jesus and and the Bible and prayer. Now, Now certainly that should be a part of it. I mean we should be talking about, hey, I read this in Scripture this morning. It's really, really cool. Check this out. Or holding each other accountable for making sure that we're staying consistent in in biblical intake or in prayer or some other temptation we're dealing with. By all means, those should be a part of these friendships. If they aren't, it's not going to accomplish the purpose that we're talking about this morning. But there should be more than just that. Really, these friendships are about sharing life together. I mean, you look at the early church. They were sharing meals With one another. You know, a lot of this friendship is just going through the daily grind of life, the ups and the downs. And and that means just, you know, at times laughing together, helping each other out with house projects, babysitting for each other, perhaps. Maybe it means if someone has cancer, sitting next to them while the chemo is dripping into their arm. Friendships should be lived out in the daily grind of life. But you know what? That is really, when we talk about Habits of Grace, that is where the Habits of Grace should be making a difference, in the daily grind of life. Helping us to enjoy and glorify God more faithfully, just in the ups and downs of every day. And so, so I hope you're seeing that, that friendships among Christians are vital to help us to grow. And they are vital in really helping us to apply the other Habits of Grace that we've been talking about through this series. Now, here, here at Friedens I mean, we, have, we were talking earlier about the big church, and the little church type of thing. That, they, I mean, we have a big church going on right now of the church family together. But at the same time, we need these little, smaller settings for relationships. And so one of the ways we help facilitate that is through small groups. And we have a variety of small groups that meet throughout the week. And I want to read you a quote. It's, it's basically a paragraph, but it's a quote from a young woman in our church named Kim Kroboth who is involved with a small group uh, here, and, and she writes about the significance of the relationships there on her life. Kim writes, I am so thankful for the family I have found in this small group. Whether I talk the whole time or don't say a word, I know I'm in a safe place. Everyone is accepted for who they are, no matter how much they know about God or the Bible. I have come to love these ladies as sisters and true friends. We share what is on our hearts, pray for each other, and encourage each other. And of course, we laugh, too. I have learned so much from our discussions in my time alone with God. The accountability of this group has helped deepen my relationship with the Lord by keeping me in the Word and in prayer. These women have encouraged me from day one, and I feel very blessed to be a part of their lives. Our times together are a gift. That's a picture of the value of meeting together in smaller groupings to encourage each other, to pray for each other, to hold one another accountable. And one of the things about Kim, if you know Kim, you know that, that she has quality Christian friendships outside of that group as well. And that is setting her up well to keep following God, keep following Jesus throughout her life. Now, if you are interested in small groups, if you aren't in one, we list out a number of them in our bulletin. Uh, If you want to get in one, please talk with Pastor Greg. He would love to be able to help you get connected with a small group. That will help you go deeper in your relationships with others as well. Now, you may be hearing about small groups and think, you know, I'm so busy. Or, you know, I'm just kind of shy, kind of reserved, introverted. And I, I can't see myself really ever being comfortable in that type of group. I would say if that is you, still know that it is absolutely vital you have relationships with at least one or two other committed Christians who will help you continue to follow Jesus faithfully. That is vital. And if you're looking at your life realizing, you know what, I don't really have those relationships, well, get in a small group. Or if you want just a a very simple, easy strategy, find someone, maybe it's in fellowship hall after a service, maybe it's in a class on Sunday morning, invite them over for dinner. That is a very biblical and practical way build a relationship with someone. And see, maybe it would go deeper. Maybe it would become that type of friendship. that iron sharpens iron as one person sharpens another according to Proverbs. And so, so, you know what, it's so valuable to have these deeper friendships with people around us. I find that, you know, in life and especially in church, it's really the friendships, the, the committed relationships with one another, they bring a sense of warmth and joy to whatever we are doing. To me, that's particularly true in church. I don't know if you've um, attended recently a church that, where you don't know many people. I mean, I do occasionally uh, when I'm not here on Sundays. If we're traveling or something, I'll attend a different church. You can hear great preaching and hear great music and, and experience great programming at a church, but without the relationships, it doesn't mean quite the same. I think back in college when I started getting serious about Jesus and serious about God, it was the friendships. That truly helped me grow in the friendships that made church so much more fun. I, I think back to college on Sunday mornings, I would host breakfast at my house. And you see that it's a sizable breakfast as well. I mean, that was pretty typical. We'd have breakfast together, and then we'd walk a couple blocks to church together. We'd go to Sunday school class together, and then we would sit together in the church service. After church, frequently a number of us would continue to hang out. And then, you know what, those friendships spilled over to the rest of the week. And that was one of the biggest ways that God worked in my life, was through these friends and the context of church and the context of other ministry experiences, but through these friends to help me to grow as a follower of Christ. And I think about my experience now at Frieden's. Obviously, I'm a pastor here. This is kind of my job. But at the same time, to me, a big part of what makes Freedon's special for me is not just that it's a job. It's not just that I see God at work here. It's the relationships that are here that make Freedom special. Yes, we have great music. Yes, we have quality programming. Yes, I think sermons are pretty decent here. Hopefully you maybe think the same thing. But but regardless, to me it's the relationships. I mean, you can have all the other ministry, but it's the relationships that make a church a place of warmth and joy and acceptance. And really, it's the glue that causes people to keep coming back and keep faithful to Jesus. And I pray that for you, just like I was talking about myself, I pray that for you, you have those relationships with your church family. And that if you don't currently have them, that you will take the steps to have those, to build those relationships for the future relationships that we're with other Christians that can help us to truly enjoy God and glorify him. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that you, when you adopt us into your family through faith in Christ, you give us a family a family of brothers and sisters in Christ with whom we can walk through the ups and downs of life, that we can support each other and laugh each other and at times cry with each other and encourage each other and and just be with each other. What a blessing that is, Lord. I know that we are busy and that we have other things that will tempt us to pull away from Jesus, but Lord, I pray that we will each invest in quality friendships with our brothers and sisters in Christ, friendships where we can encourage and nourish their faith, and they can do the same for us. Thank you for this Friedens family, and thank you that we have an extended family around the globe. Some of whom don't, many of whom, most of whom don't even speak our language, but we are brothers and sisters in Christ. But Lord, thank you that even right here in our midst, we can have friends who encourage us in our walk with God. And I pray that as we experience those relationships, that we will grow in enjoying and glorifying Him. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.